See, a child needs to develop convictions for himself, so he's not just doing what mom and dad say. Because what happens is once he gets out of the home, if he's not started to take in the word himself and build conviction in his own heart, when he gets out of the home, then he just says, forget it. Because it was mom and dad's convictions, and he just did these things, he didn't get spanked. That's not what you wanted for a child. That's not the goal. How many times have we seen that? A well-behaved child goes off to the university and just goes off the deep end. When he was growing up, as the saying goes, his or her good behavior was simply an adaptation to get along in the environment set by the parents, not an internal value system. Outside of that structure enforced by the parents, the young adult went according to his or her own desires, thinking that at last he was free to do as he pleased. Hello and welcome to Verse by Verse, taught by pastor-teacher Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. We're happy to have you with us today for the conclusion of part two of Pastor Steve's Biblical Parenting Message. This is part of an extensive series of messages covering many aspects of the biblical family. In our last class, Pastor Steve brought to light several passages in Scripture which clearly state that physical discipline of children is not only permitted, it is encouraged, as long as it is done properly and with the right motives, not in retaliation, but as a reinforcement of instruction when they have disobeyed. Today, Pastor Steve is going to begin our class by offering some helpful insights on how to spank your children. There are plenty of mistakes we can make when it comes to corporal punishment, so let's join the class now for some great instruction. I'd like to give you some very practical and helpful aids in spanking your child. Kids are going to love me for this. First, first, this is some practical things. First, make sure your child is guilty. I think that's very important. Some children have been spanked and they were not guilty. They were not guilty. Make sure your child is guilty. Uh, perhaps that child didn't hear you. You told them to do something and they didn't hear you. That's very possible. They ought to hear you, but that's possible. Maybe maybe something was going on, they were distracted. Uh, so give clear instructions, expectations. Make sure your child knows what these expectations and instructions are. If he says or she says, I didn't hear you, that's very possible. Second, if he disobeys or doesn't do what he's told the first time, then he ought to be corrected. Not the third or fourth time. Not the third or fourth time, the first time. The first time. Don't let it go to two, three, four times. I was reading Howard Hendricks has a, a book on raising the family, and he says this. Some parents never expect their children to disobey, and thus they are seldom disappointed. My son was playing with a friend outside my study window. I heard that his, this high-pitched, unoiled call, Johnny. Johnny never flinched. My boy said, Johnny, your mom's calling you, as if he needed the information. Hendricks writes, yeah, I know, Johnny said, totally ignoring her. This went on for four or five times, each time the decibel level rising considerably. Finally, she exploded with an intensely shrill scream, Johnny! As calmly as can be, Johnny said to my son, Bill, I gotta go now. You see, Johnny had been down that road before, and he knew exactly what his mother, uh, when his mother meant what she said. This boy was just conditioned, like many of our children, just conditioned, that you don't mean what you say the first time. Or you become a threatening parent. If you don't do this, I'm going to do that. Don't be a threatening parent. If your child doesn't obey you the first time, he needs to be dealt with. Third, when guilt is established, send your child to his room. Don't spank the child in front of others. 
that, that's embarrassing and it's humiliating. Fourth, go to the child's room when you are in control of yourself. The issue is controlled anger. By the way, don't think that you're not going to be angry. You ought to be angry when your child disobeys you, but it ought to be controlled anger. Uncontrolled anger is yelling, screaming, uh, nastiness. You just are not in control. But, but when you spank a child, you ought to be angry. There, you know, love and anger exist together. You ought to be angry at their sin. You can't just turn off that emotion. Oh, I'm not angry. I am angry at, at my child when they sin, but it, it ought not to be uncontrolled anger. So don't, you know, don't wait five hours until finally you, you forget about the whole thing. Next, have your spouse pray while you go to your child's room. Unless, of course, you need their assistance. Then you go to the child's room, instruct your child after making it clear what they are being spanked for. You're going to instruct them to lean over and so forth. But let me, let me say at this point, uh, a good thing to do is this. You, you say to your child, now, what did I expect of you? Well, you expected this. And what did you do? Well, I didn't do this. And what should you have done? Well, I should have done this. And what must I do? Well, you need to spank me. We only wish, though, it went as smoothly as that, right? That's textbook case. Let me tell you what, what normally happens. Your child begins to try to manipulate you. They're great at, at manipulation. They're going to try to manipulate you uh, out of spanking them by making you feel guilty. You are not guilty. They are guilty. That's why they are there. Uh, I've written down some, uh, some manipulations that, that children use, three of them. One is this. If you really loved me, you wouldn't do this. Well, here's how you answer. Because we do love you, we are doing this. Second manipulation, and I love this. What kinds of Christians are you? <laughs> what kinds of Christians are you to do this? And you answer, I'm a Christian who loves you. But this is my personal favorite. If I die, you'll be sorry. <laughs> Here's how you respond. But if you grow up like this, we'll all be sorry. <laughs> so, having tried to manipulate you and failed at it because you are smarter than your children, right? You then have your child lean over the bed and you use a rod with some flex in it to spank on the rear. And you determine ahead of time how many swats they're going to get. You swat them firm enough to discourage behavior. Don't be so light that they think a mosquito buzzed by. This has to be some pain or else they're not going to be discouraged to do it. Uh, they're not going to be discouraged the next time, but it ought not to crush them. And if you wonder uh, how painful it is, have your spouse do it to you. And I'm serious. When, when Bruce Mills and I first discovered, we're introduced to what we know as the Izzo Whacker, uh, my wife wasn't around. So I said, Bruce, you do it on me. And it's really not fair. I, I think back on that. It's not fair, size and, and strength. But I leaned over, and uh, my children can really thank Mr. Mills because I've been very merciful in my, my years with the Ezo Wacker. But, uh, but just have your spouse apply it to you, and you'll see what it, what it feels like. And that's, I think that's fair. Your children will love it. Okay. Then instruct, after you spank them, instruct your child to stay on uh, the bed until you return. You leave the room. You give them some time to think through this. Don't expect that they're going to be repentant right away. 
I mean, you're not repenting right away when God deals with you. It takes you a little time to think this through. And, uh, and then return and talk to the child and talk to, to them and instruct them that they need to ask God to forgive them. They disobeyed God and they need to ask you to forgive them. They disobeyed you. And then you need to pray with them. Then you hug, you pray, you wipe away tears, and the air is cleared. You don't bring it up at the dinner table. You don't bring it up the next day. It's over with, just like it is with us. When God deals with us, it's over with. So the first word that tells us how to bring up our children is discipline. Discipline. But there's a second word which goes hand in hand with discipline. And notice Ephesians 6, 4, and we must get to this. We can't break this message up. We have to deal with this. So don't, you need to follow with me. And that the second word is instruction, or some versions call it uh, admonition. It's instruction. The word literally means to place into the minds. It's made up of two Greek words that when they come together, they mean to place into the minds. Those of you who are familiar with the biblical counseling that, uh, that I'm involved in, others know it as nuthetic counseling. Nuthetic means placing into the mind, admonition, warning, instruction. That's exactly what this word is. This is verbal counsel. This is teaching. This is verbal confrontation. In other words, it's not enough to discipline a child when he does wrong. He also needs God's word placed in his heart so that he will have personal convictions about changing his own behavior. That, it, it, it goes hand in hand. See, we are not trying to manipulate our children into doing what we want. That's how you train a dog. Rewards and punishment. That's all it is. That's, all, that's how you train a dog. The dog goes potty in the house, you spank him. And they go outside, you give him a treat. That's, that's it. But a child isn't a dog. Apart from a couple that I know who believe that they uh, are like that. Most people know that, that children are not like dogs. You don't train them the same way. Children need to be reached in their hearts. They need the instruction of the Lord to do, uh, to do that so they will develop a desire internally to obey God. You see, it is the entrance of God's word in a child's mind that will reach down into his heart and into his soul, and affect change in his behavior. It is Scripture that does that. Scripture brings us to Christ, and Scripture matures us. 2 Timothy 3.15 tells us that, Timothy, from a child, you've known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise unto salvation. Then Paul goes on to say all Scripture is inspired of God, and it builds the man up, that he might be a man of God. Now, here's the point. All the discipline and spanking in the world won't really change a child's heart. He must eventually exercise self-restraint over his sin because he wants to honor the Lord. You see, you are not trying to, to train a child to just obey you. That's where it begins. The ultimate goal is that, is that he will obey, have convictions to obey Jesus Christ. The goal is to submit to Christ, not us. See, notice again, Notice, for example, Ephesians 6, verse 1. Same context. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Paul doesn't stop there. He doesn't just say, children, do this. He says, for this is right. In other words, he gives them uh, an explanation. This is right. This is biblically right to do this. This honors the Lord. And then he goes into explaining about honoring your father and mother because this is based on the Ten Commandments and so forth. See, a child needs to develop convictions for himself, so he's not just doing what mom and dad say. 
Because what happens is once he gets out of the home, if he's not started to, to take in the word himself and build conviction in his own heart, when he gets out of the home, then he just says, forget it. Because it was mom and dad's convictions, and he just did these things, so he didn't get spanked. That's not what you want for a, a child. That's not the goal. He has to get God's word in him so that he will have God's conviction in him, and so it will be his own decision to do what's right. So how do you get God's word in him? Well, that's our job. That's our job. That's exactly what Ephesians 6.4 says. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but you bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. It is our job to instruct them. Say, well, how are we going to do that? Let me give you some practical ways on how to instruct your children. Because there are some of us who think that if I just send them to church and send them to a Christian school and send them to Sunday school, that's enough. I don't think so. You are so right, Pastor Steve. It's not enough to trust our children's spiritual instruction to someone else. Sunday school teachers and other godly adults usually have a wonderful influence on our children. But no matter how effective those teachers are, we parents are the people our children will most resemble when they grow up. So it's vital that we give them the right kind of instruction from the very beginning. Now perhaps you've just tuned in and you're wondering what's going on. Well, you're listening to Verse by Verse. We want to thank you for joining us for this Bible class of the air. Our teacher is Pastor Steve Kreloff. Pastor Steve has been teaching at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida since 1981. As a result of the desire to enable others to hear his teaching, Verse by Verse Ministries came to be. If you would like to know more about Verse by Verse Ministries, you can visit our website, versebyverseradio.org. You'll be able to get to know Pastor Steve a little better, listen to this program again, or subscribe to our free podcasting service. If you'd like to hear this entire message, stay tuned at the end of the program, and I'll give you a number to call. But now, our break time is over. Let's get back to class. Pastor Steve has some practical ideas to help us teach our children. How do we instruct our children? How do we place God's Word in their hearts? Number one, by the normal situations of life. So many people overlook this. Just by informal instruction, just by seizing the opportunities that God gives you to use the normal occurrences of life to teach truth. For example, your child comes home and uh, they can do nothing but complain about this teacher who, uh, who did this and did that and they don't think it's right. Well, how do you instruct them? You say, you're right. I'm going to call her up. Oh, you've done a bad job instructing then. You've got to explain to your child how to handle that, to submit to the authority and tell them uh, teachers are not perfect, just like you're not perfect. You, you've got to seize that opportunity to teach them the right attitudes of forgiveness and love. Do you pray for your teacher? you do that? You, that kind of stuff. How about your child comes home and they tell you about a fellow student who's been cruel to another student, well, you've got to teach them about compassion and mercy. You seize that opportunity. And you teach them how to, how to respond and to pray for that, for that student who's a bully and so forth. Let me give you a real good example, very relevant. Mothers will appreciate this. Dads, you have to speak to your children to show gratitude and thankfulness for their mom's cooking. Now, oh, this again? It's the dad's responsibility to place gratitude within the child's mind and heart. Mom works hard. She works hard to prepare this. And I work hard to, to get the money to give her to prepare this. So you ought to be grateful. If you don't like it, we'll take it back and you'll have, uh, you'll have this in the morning. It's called breakfast. Use schoolwork to counsel about laziness and diligence. The Bible speaks about that. 
seize those opportunities about work and motives. Why do you do your work? You do it unto the Lord. Just the same reason when I go to work, that's my motive. It needs to be my motive. Also, you teach them, you, you, you watch television. If, if you do or you see something that's wrong and someone's dressed uh, indecently, you've got to seize that opportunity to speak about purity and modesty and the consequences of not being pure. And, and taken through Proverbs. So we teach by normal situations. Secondly, we also instruct by question and answer. We ought to use questions. We ought to be creative. That's very biblical. God uses questions in the Old Testament. He set up situations where the children of Israel would have to ask questions of their parents, such as uh, uh, when they crossed over into the, to the land, they crossed the Jordan, they, Joshua and the others set up stones of memorial stones so that their children would look back and say, why would you do this? What's this all about? Or the Passover. The youngest child is to ask the father, why is this night different from other nights? And, and wh- explain this to me. Question and answer. Uh, here's some questions you can ask. What do you want to be when you grow up? That's a good, that's a good question. And if they give you some ridiculous thing, you know, like I want to be a bartender, I mean, seize that opportunity. Talk to them about that. Why do you want to be a bartender? That type of thing. Why? You're, you're probing. Um, who do you want to be like? If your daughter says Madonna, you've got to work on that. I'm serious. You've got to look at that. What kind of moral character is that? Question and answer. You'll learn a lot about them. You ask questions. You find out what's going on in their mind. Uh, you know, why do you want to be like her? Why do you want to be like this person? Or uh, what do you think you should have done in this situation? Or you see somebody else who does that. What do you think you would have done if you were in this situation? And that leads into conversations. Or you could say this. What did you learn from your Sunday school class today? What did you learn from the pastor's message today? How can you apply these truths to your life? You know, that is the biggest problem that our young people in this church have. It's true in the school as well. You talk to our, our youth pastor and find out that the biggest problem is the application of the Word of God. I'll tell you what, you may not realize this, but our teenagers can take Bible tests and do better than you can. They know the facts. But application, it's like this. It's like this. Zero. They know all the information, all the facts. They can tell you Bible geography, especially if they go to our school or, or any Christian school or their home school. They learn it and hear it all the time. But the application of truth, next to zero, if not zero. So these questions help spur them on to application. Also, instruct by formal teaching. That's another way. We call this family devotions. And I want to be careful about this. I want to say this very clearly. Devotions, family devotions are an option, only an option, because I don't know of one place in Scripture that makes it a specific command. There's no place that makes it a specific command to have family devotions. Uh, The Bible speaks about where we are, where to teach. And family devotions are fine if you want to do it. My problem is when people make it a mandate and they try to make you feel like everybody has to do this, where you open up your Bible, you have a formal time where everyone's around. I think it's a good thing to do. I think it's wonderful to do. I don't think you need to feel compelled to do it, and if you don't do it, that you're a failure. But let me tell you, if you do have family devotions, let me give you some advice. Don't be boring. Above all, don't bore your children. How many children have gotten turned off because Dad insisted we're going to have a half-hour lecture? And they don't want to hear the Bible anymore. I wouldn't either. Bore them with Reader's Digest, but don't bore them with the Bible. 
Born with anything else but scripture. Also, have something for every age. You got a variety of ages in there. Have something for every age. And not just for little children. Because you know why? You're doing it for yourself as well. See, we often convey devotions are for you, meaning the children. No, no. Devotions are for us. I need the word of God. I'm just inviting you to sit here. Apply the truth to your own life so that they see that you are an example of what you're trying to convey to them. Teaching the word, applying it to your life. And then also, a fourth way we instruct, instruct by your example. Instruct by, by your example. Philippians chapter 4, verse 9, Paul said, The things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace shall be with you. All of your discipline, all of your instruction will mean very little if you don't model for your child that you're under the authority of Jesus Christ. Because your words will have no credibility. Your words will have no credibility. What you tell them to do, you've got to be doing. And where you don't, you, got, you need to go to them and say, I'm a poor example, would you forgive me? Children learn by the example of their parents. And, and this is illustrated, and I close with, with this poem that illustrates this great truth. A careful man I ought to be, a little fellow follows me. I do not dare to go astray for fear he'll go the self same way. I cannot once escape his eyes. Whate'er he sees me do, he tries. Like me, he says he's going to be the little chap that follows me. He thinks that I am good and fine, believes in every word of mine. The base in me he must not see, the little chap who follows me. I must remember as I go through summer sun and winter snow, I'm building for the years to be that little chap who follows me. You're an example. Your life is a, is a living letter to be read by your children. So you want to be consistent. Listen, the, the task is before us. Biblical parenting boils down to this. Fathers, make sure that you're the head of the home, that things are getting done in the right way. Don't frustrate your children. Discipline them the way God says to do it, out of love, concerned for them, consistent, and then instruct them so that they'll do what's right in submission to Jesus Christ. That's the goal. Not to you, to him. And the question is this, are you submissive to him? Are you submissive to Christ? What you're trying to convey to your children, is that true in your life? Can they see that? If not, you need to deal with that. And if you have been a poor example, you need to talk to your children. If you've been a good example, you need to talk to your child today and make it clear there's going to be some changes around here. We're going to do things differently because we love you. And because we love you, we're going to, we're going to deal with you. You're not going to manipulate us. We care enough to change some things. If we didn't care, we'd say, hey, do whatever you want. That's the easiest thing for us. Talk to your child. And if in talking to your child, you find out that you have been inconsistent in... in some areas, then you need to ask them to forgive you as you ask God to. Thanks, Pastor Steve. What a challenge. Parenting just may be both the most challenging and the most rewarding job there is. But I think that submitting to Christ and setting a good example are foundational to good parenting. I hope you've been challenged and that you've gained some useful ideas from today's class. We have CDs available if you'd like to order one. Each CD contains the entire message from beginning to end without announcements. The number to call is 727-441-1714. Please leave your name and a number, and we'll return your call during weekday office hours. That number again is 
441-1714. Or you can listen to this program again by pointing your web browser to versebyverseradio.org. The website again is versebyverseradio.org. Our teacher is Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. If you're in the area sometime on a Sunday, we'd love to meet you. Lakeside is at 1893 Sunset Point Road. Now that's midway between U.S. 19 and the beach. Verse by Verse Ministries is a faith ministry which depends on the prayers and gifts of interested people who have first been supportive of their local church. Please come back again next time for the start of a new class. I think that unmarried people will find it especially appropriate, but I'm sure that we'll all learn some useful things. Hope to see you then.